looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post for Sunday, February 25. And Past the Post each and every Sunday. Brought to you with the compliments of Archer Park Racing. Don't forget the website, archerparkracing.com.au. They were in the money yesterday and in the money in no uncertain manner. Defiant spirit. He thrashed them in the, the jewel prelude. He now goes to the the big one, half a million dollars for the cutest jewel, the three-year-old jewel in a fortnight's time at the Gold Coast. So good luck to Connections. Congratulations yesterday. Good luck in a fortnight's time. Many horses on the website. They've also bought a horse called Master Showman. And for those breeding buffs, he's trapeze artist's full brother. He's still eligible for Class 3 races. Stuart Kendrick is going to train him. I think there's still a few shares available. Go to Archer Park Racing, find out more. But Master Showman is a horse that uh, is up and ready to go. He'll be probably racing by the end of next month. Well, he's not in the studio with me this morning. Where the hell is he? He's at the Gold Coast, I found out. Ben Dorries, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. Good morning, listeners. I'm actually sitting up on the balcony at Royal Pines uh, with the, the Surface Paradise skyline in the background, and I've just, uh, overlooking the golf course, I've just watched a bloke hit it in the water three times in a row. Uh, so however bad you're going this morning, you're not going as bad as that bloke. So uh, are you in fit order this morning? Nah, good as gold. Good as gold. I'm an experienced campaigner. I was down here for uh, one of our mates, 60th yesterday, David Salmon, and a uh, good day was had by all. But, uh, yeah, fighting fit and ready to go. And didn't yesterday have a bit of everything? I think Jamie Carr was really the headline act with the 10th Group 1. Mr Brightside uh, does what he does and wins again. And the Oakley Plate went to South Australia this year. Last year it went to Queensland. Is there any danger the Victorians could fire a shot in the Oakley Plate? <laughs> it was a good day at Caulfield Group 1 racing. A plenty, of course, a good day at Rose Hill as well. We're going to have a chat with Les Bridge about Celestia Ledger winning the Hobartville. Doom, and yesterday was the prelude day for the jewels. We had two for the two-year-olds, and, of course, we mentioned Defiant Spirit. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, we have black-type racing at Morfordville as well. So plenty of territory to cover over the next hour or so. Thanks for your company. And let's make a start. We'll go to Caulfield first up, and we'll go to the Blue Diamond. Here's the replay. By wire at the 600, three quarters, Lady of Camelot. A length stay focus, Corianagi, then Anisa. Next is High Octane getting closer, three or four off the lead from Matisse Dublin down Coleman. Then came Hayasugi, Flyer, Zesty Man, Fearless Traffic Warden. Lady of Camelot now, knuckles down, goes to the front, puts up a length two in second place. By wire, stay focused, Anisa, then Corianagi. High Octane is next, can't pick up. It's Lady of Camelot at the 200 metres in front, getting a little bit weary. Corianagi Stay focused. And Hayasugi, the filly, is flying home. Lady of Camelot, Hayasugi's got her. Hayasugi's won it. Hayasugi from Lady of Camelot, Kurosanagi. Photo for four. We've got Traffic Warden uh, up there with also Anisa. And stay focused behind the Matisse and Spywire. Fearless doubling down. High octane couldn't come on flyer. Coleman and then came Ruta Royale. And at the tail of the field, Zesty Man and pulling up quickly in her eyes. It was Jamie Carr's 10th Group 1 victory. She ran a patient race on Hayasugi, sat back, had to cover some ground, but sat back, allowed the strong speed to unfold up front and came roaring down the centre of the track. And no surprise, even though she was... Posted at $16 when the starter said go. She'd won the prelude, she won the preview, and yesterday she wins the Blue Diamond, so a clean sweep for her. 
Yeah, it wasn't interesting. Of course, all eyes in the lead-up were on Jamie Carr's fiancé, new fiancé, Ben Mellum. It was on the favourite Coleman, which went out at $3.40. But just, uh, I know there was a, a few queries in the Coleman camp, despite the favouritism. But uh, behind the scenes, there was a couple of queries leading into the race about whether... Uh, he ran a strong 1,200 metres. Look, I don't know if that was an issue yesterday, but was just never a hope. And Jamie Carr just sailed past a fiancé, sort of 300 to go, said, see you later. Uh, as you say, look, no huge surprise, given that, you know, she'd won the, the preview and the preview. But I, I guess to, to a, you know, a large extent, a lot of punters focus on, on the boys in this race, the, the, the Colts and Geldings rather than the Phillies. So... Look, it was a really famous win, I guess, from uh, Clinton McDonald too, wasn't it? Because obviously his late father, Ross, uh, won this race 35 years ago with Corto, you know, was one of the one of the greatest girls of all time, obviously going on to, to do what she did and, and win the Golden Slipper. And, of course, Hayasugi uh, is on a Golden Slipper path now too. You make a good point uh, about the attention focusing on the Colts and Geldings, and it's often the case, this is not the first year, and often in those lead-ups, in the previews and the preludes, the conversation generally focuses more on on, on the male division, but I think as we might have said uh, two weeks ago, Hayasugi ran 1.366, and I think that the Colts uh, ran 1.364, so there was virtually nothing between them time-wise, but look, that was was a very good win. She gave them a start, gave them a beating, so we know she's strong at the end of 1,200 metres. So, as you said, she goes to the slipper in a month's time and she's around a $16 chance. Lady of Camelot was brave. Uh, uh, after being on a very hot speed, she was the best of the on-paces, so she was brave in defeat. And uh, as we'll find out very soon, a very good day for South Australian racing and they provided the third-place getter in Kuryanagi. Your horse stayed focused. I thought he ran well considering he had to do plenty of work off a wide gate. Yeah, absolutely. And just we should point out with the Phillies, um, the Phillies are actually the first four across the line, if you don't mind too. So Stay Focus was the first of the boys. Look, I think he probably draws a gate, drew gate 13. I think he could have challenged, got beaten less less than a length and a half with a softer run. Maybe I'm talking through my pocket here, but I I did reckon he would have been right in the finish. So he's definitely one um, to keep an eye on going forward. But all honours with the Phillies, as I said, first four across the line in the Blue Diamond. And as you said, Coleman was a $3.40 favourite, but just wasn't his day yesterday. Let's go to the Oakley Plate. 15 runner here at the 1,100 metres, and King's Gambit first up with a featherweight. Jamie Carr was looking for her 11th Group 1, and it was at $4.20 in favourite. Hypothetical 550 out by a length now. Jem Sahail, who's three wide. Q-Man next from Brudenell. A length away recommendation passed by Mornington Glory from King's Gambit. Benedetta, well back. Ray Magnerio, Lem Pickerskew. If Chain of Lightning as Fura, Kalos and Sharipa. Hypothetical 250 metres to go. Q-Man's getting closer on the outside. King's Gambit runs up behind them. Just needs an out. Q-Man up to Hypothetical. Then King's Gambit recommendation. And Kalos right down the outside. Q-Man up to Hypothetical. Their heads in unison. Q-Man. Q-Man, I think, has won it from Hypothetical. Then came a wall of them. We had Benedetta, Brudenell, Mornington, Glory. And they were followed by King's Gambit. Many chances for third. Then Skewiff, Recommendation, Chain of Lightning, Sharipana, Jem Sahail, Furalim, Picker and Kalos. As the late Ken Howard would say, it was a tooth and nail struggle between Q-Man and Hypothetical and Q-Man getting the bob. $17, Harry Coffey riding, Benny Hypothetical at 11 and Mornington Glory at 41 so it was an outsider's result. King's Gambit at 4.20 in favourite, 
certainly looking to have his chance. The, the, the run was there at the right time, but he wasn't good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another terrific result, wasn't it, for, for Harry Coffey? Uh, won a group one uh, a few years ago in South Australia. It, you know, he's craved another one. Strangely enough, I was at the time this race was run, I was sitting next to a Coffey, one of um, uh, Harry Coffey's distant relations, uh, who carries the, the, you know, the same last name. And as they crossed the post, I thought, sure, as eggs, he's back this. But no, of course he didn't. So not even the family member could pick this winner. But I'm sure there is a fair few South Australians on board, David. For sure and certain. Uh, some good runs of the race from horses from the back. I think we were expecting as Fur and Shripper to be a lot closer, but circumstances dict- in the end dictated they were back in the field. But both ran home well, and Talos ran home as ran home well as well. But we often see this at Oakley Plates. They're busy finishes. But on the day coming up, Trumps was Q Man. Trained in partnership by Shane and Cassie Oxlade. Shane's currently flying back to Adelaide after what would be his biggest day in racing. I had the chance to chat with him a little earlier this morning. Well, Shane's joining us now online. Firstly, to you and Cassie, Shane, congratulations. It will be a day you'll never forget, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, um, thanks for that, David. It certainly will be. We, um, we don't get too many opportunities to, to start in them races with a small team and to have two there and, and be able to pull one off. It's certainly a day we'll remember. Shane, I've got to confess, if someone asked me six months ago, what do you think of Q-Man, I would have said he's a very good Adelaide sprinter who never lets you down, always runs a good race. But six months down the track, he's win- winning an Oakley plate. So I've got to confess, he's caught me by surprise. So I'll put the question to you as the trainer. Has he caught you by surprise? Or well, I'll put it this way, has he exceeded your expectations? Yeah, probably right on both, uh, to be honest, David. I, I was like you, he's a really good Adelaide sprinter. Thought he'd capable of coming to, to Victoria in the right race and, and being really competitive. Um, certainly didn't have him as a Group 1 winner. He, um, I spoke to David Jolly a little bit about it and we, he said, you know, the Adams is a really good race for, for that sort of horse. And he came over and won that and I thought he was really impressed when he won that. In, and that gave him automatic to, to the Oakley Plate. So then he had no choice but to come. You don't get them every day. And thought he would run really well. He's, he'd done really well and, and done everything he'd bright since he'd in between. But no, I certainly didn't have him penciled in as my Group 1 winner. He's only had the, the 21 starts. He's won nine of them. Tell me about Buff Smith, who was the owner of this horse. There's got to be a story with Buff and you. Um, Buff, um, a family originally owned a station up on Northern Territory, South Australian border, New Crown Station. It's a family station, and he shifted to Strath you know, around 2001, I think, and his lads took over up there, and his father was at Strathmore then training, and... I only met Strath in about uh, Buff in about 2005 when I shifted to Strath. He was good mates with Barry Dunn, and I was renting some stables at Barry, and so we got to know him and we see him at the races and at the track all the time. And you know, just a genuine good bloke, bushy, typical bushy, and mm. um, yeah, that's how I got to know him. And, and how did the association come up with with Q-Man? Because I, I, am I right in saying that he actually trained it for a while? Yeah, he gave it his first study. He um, got it broken after he. Picked it up and weaned it off its mother at 26 months old. Um, bought it home and got it broken, and he had it in work. But he, mint lanes are traditionally rude horses, can be bad horses, and he's a really good ride. This bloke he always has been that; it's never an issue. He was bad at the gates, but he um, 
just root on the ground, walk over you, happy to kick you or walk over the top of you rather than walk around you. And he'd knock Wolf around a little bit and knocked him over a couple of times. And he was going into hospital to have an operation. And he said to me, will you, you take that horse for a little bit? And I said, yeah, no, I'll look after him. And when he came out, he said, oh, I think you better stay there. He said, he's a bit rough on me, you know. So he ended up at home. I reckon you're right about one thing. I, I've never known a bloke called Buff who's not a good bloke. If if you're called Buff, you're a pretty good bloke. Yeah, he, um, someone said to him last night, when do they start calling you Buff? He's at about three weeks old. So he, <laughs> he's had the name for a long while. Well, Q-Man's gone to a, to a new level. He, he, he won the Adams and he won it well. He's won the Oakley Plate yesterday, a Group 1 race. So I suppose the next question I put to you is, what paths do you head with him now? Yeah, don't know, to be honest. I'll go home and have a look. I don't think he's, he'll come back for the new market. I don't think he's a new market horse, but go home and have a look. We haven't got the Goodwood coming up at home in May. And some of them Group 3 races probably mm. make it a little bit tougher now with him. A group 1 winner, he's going to get weight or get in the right one. He might be right, you know, set weights and penduries or something. So I guess we look towards the carnival alone with him and see what happens, but just uh, get him home first. And he looked, he looked enormous this morning and took no arm from it and ate up really good and was as bright as bright. So get home and sort it out. Probably wasn't expecting to be in the position I am with him, to be honest. So. Uh, nice position to be in, but his best range, like on his form, is 1,000 to 1,100. I, I do note, though, he won his maiden at 1,200. Right now, yeah. the, the way he's going, uh, have you got any concerns about a 1,200 metres with him? I always thought he'd get 1,200 if he could get a sit. He, probably in Adelaide, they begin and don't go as quick. They're happy to sort of sit up, and he sees a bit of daylight and really wants to get up and get trucking, and as soon as you sit against him, it's really game on, and sort of does a bit too much early in his races. But as you've seen in his last two runs, and then when he won in his last one in Adelaide, when Justin got a sit on him, he was happy to come back. And I think if he can get that sort of ride on him, he's a chance at 1,200, but certainly he's best record is 1,100 at this time. Shane, I think one of the best things about racing is how friendships or associations develop. Here's a good case in point. You and Cassie put Harry Coffey on when he won the Adams and you stuck with him in the Oakley Plate. He spoke beautifully after the race and, and he spoke very warmly about, about you and Cassie. So that's a great association that maybe six months ago you, you would never have thought might have developed. No, it wasn't because he wasn't sort of heading that way. You know, Craig had got on to the other horse and, and whatever. But Harry rode for me as an apprentice when he was over in town and known him for a long while and, you know, like just a genuine good bloke. And when I was looking for a rider for Q-Man, I, um, I went to him. I just, like, I think sometimes we go over the border and they underestimate our horses and, and they're happy. They, they don't really think they can win and, and they ride them accordingly. And I just thought Harry would go out and, and ride him and give him a chance, you know. And then once he won on him, he was never going to get taken off. You know, that was that was the case. And I said to Buff, what are you going to do? And he said, no, it's up to you. And I just said, well, he stays on, you mm. know. like um, And I said to Harry after, you know, something we've got forever. You know, like it's uh, it's really good. Yeah, and sometimes we overlook the obvious. A horse in form with a good barrier and a lightweight and it panned out beautifully. He gave them the run of the race. Pretty tense at the finish. Wasn't much in it when they hit the line. No, and I, I've got to confess, I thought at the 100 he'd win and win by a neck probably and I didn't think that other horse would get back and hit him because he's a, he's a tough bugger. He's a determined sort of horse, but it got to be a bobber there on the line and we was lucky enough it went our way, but it, it certainly got close. 
you and Cassie needed two pairs of eyes in the run because, of course, you also had Shripper. His run was outstanding because, uncharacteristically, just watching the, the replay, he missed the start by half or three quarters of a length. Yeah, he can be a little touch slow at different times. Sometimes he bring, begins clean. He didn't begin great when he won the, the um, Christmas Cup. And I, um, as soon as he missed it yesterday, Harry, uh, Froggy said he was all right, but he dug up and he said, and then I just got two checks. And he, he come back. Like, he just said, look, the horse should have won. Mm. Got cleaned up. It is what it is. He had to ride him. For a bit of luck then and he's got beat 2.2 and got home the quicker 600 and he said look mate bring him back for the new market it'll win the new market so I'm not sure that'll be the case so just starting to get the feeling that he might be at the end of it with a four mm-hmm. he's only had the six runs but he's had four trips away and i'll go home and he's another one i'll have a look at and we're same thing we've got the carnival coming up at home and um, i've looked after him this long david i don't need to i don't want to go to the races once too often with him you know i'd rather mm. stop now if i have to and and have the carnival at home well you're in a really good position you've got these two very good sprinters heading towards the the carnival in adelaide uh, just before you go for for people who don't know south australia too well i see your, your base at a place called woodchester where is that uh, woodchester is about 10 kilometers out of strathalbyn Strath's about an hour out of adelaide um melbourne side of adelaide I work at the Strathalbyn track and, and whatever. But it's just, I've just got seven acres out there. It's just a nice, quiet little place. Woodchester itself's probably got about 40 houses there, I suppose. Um, so it's just a nice, quiet little place out in the middle of nowhere, really, but it's nice and peaceful. And just before you go, one final question. Does this change Shane and Cassie Oxlade? Does it change their training careers? Does it change their lifestyles, winning a, a Group 1 Oakley plate, or does things just stay the same? Uh, look, from mine and Cassie's point of view, it stays the same. We're both up doing what we normally do this morning and and that's what it is for everyone else in this racing industry. But I don't know. People will make that call, I guess, whether you get any more horses out of it or not. I, I don't know. And look, I'm pretty happy with the 12 or 14 that I, we muck around with. Sometimes it's 16 and um, it is what it is. So I don't know. Other people will make that call, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good comment. I think also, just in closing... Great result for the stable and the connections, but great great result for South Australian racing as well. You've done it tough for many years now, but when you get a win on the board like this, it's good for the state too. Yeah, it is, and racing's improving in the state. The state money's improving, and I think there's going to be, from what I've heard, announcements, some really good state money rises over the carnival for the Goodwood and, and the Oaks and that sort of stuff in the next few weeks, so... It's only encouraging the state's going in the right direction and racing's going in the right direction in South Australia. And oh, Look, it's, it's a great place to race. It's a great place to live, and it's, it's a great result yesterday for us. Great to talk to you this morning, and to you and Cassie, once again, congratulations and plenty of success ahead with, with Q-Man and Shripper. Thanks for being with All us, right. mate. Thanks, David. Yes, there he was, Shane Oxlade, speaking to him a little earlier. And I think the good thing about racing, Ben, is success is meant to go around... Uh, from top to bottom, and I'm sure Shane is the first to say that he's... In fact, I think he has described himself as a battler. He may have said that yesterday post-race, but he's taking it all in his stride, but I'm sure he's walking, feeling a, a million feet tall after yesterday, and Cassie as well. Oh, look, I know you, you know him, David. I don't, but just from listening to your interview there, it sounds like a uh, fabulous drinking companion. I'd love to have a beer with Shane Offside one day, and as you say, tremendous result. And another thing you said there too, you are dead right, 
There's not a bloke in the world who's nicknamed Buff. <laughs> exactly. Who's a bad bloke. Buff Lehman, uh, terrific bloke. Buff Curry, Buff you know. Curry. I, I mean, I, I think if you get the nickname Buff, you're set for life. Yeah, you, you, you never hear anyone say, well, he's a pretty ordinary bloke, Buff. <laughs> yeah. You don't hear it. You don't hear it. Okay, that's the Oakley plate put to bed. Let's go to the other group one of the day. This was the Futurity. The expected result was Mr Brightside. That was reflected in the market. He was at fifty. Is Matt Hill's broadcast. Buffalo River approaches the corner at the 400 metres. Still four links in front of Dom Deschute. Then came Mr. Brightside. Back behind those attrition. And then Pericles to the outer. Buffalo River as they reach the 250 starting to paddle. Mr. Brightside is eating up the ground now. And Mr. Brightside goes to Buffalo River. Pericles a length and a half off Mr. Brightside. But it's Mr. Brightside clear. And he's going to rack up another one. Mr. Brightside one from Pericles. Buffalo River Dom Deschute. Then Hey Fat Cat, slicing through the line was Bunamek towards the end nugget and last attrition. Yes, justifying that $1.50 quote, which most thought he would do. Mr Brightside wins his uh, 16th race and it was his sixth group one yesterday. And uh, again, uh, did it uh, in a tough way, so to speak, because uh, it's not made easy when Buffalo River gets out there by big margins, runs it at a good speed, and most of these are chasing hard under pressure, fair way out, and in the end, it's the best horse that wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, you know, Mr. Brightside's rivals now, and especially in a you know eight horse field like this, have realised a lot of them. They need to do something different, to, you know, to, to try and you know upset the apple cart to beat him. And that that's exactly what Celine Gaudray and uh, Buffalo River did yesterday. And and as you say, it made it made it interesting, but in the end. Yeah, length and a half. He's just a winner, Mr. Brightside, isn't he? There's no other word for him. A winner, David. Ben Hayes joins us online to discuss yesterday and the broader picture of Mr. Brightside. Ben, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. And we were just talking before you, you joined us about how uh, these races, uh, like a dollar fifty chance can be in a Group 1, and we watch the race, the dollar fifty chance wins, and we say, yeah, OK, move on. But these are exciting races he's contesting because... They're not making it easy for him and they're not making it easy for any horse of the race, but we're watching the race. They're spread out. They're going hard. And he's rallying as the best horse. So in the end, I think you get a better, a better satisfaction out of the win by the way the race is run. Yeah, I think so. Um, both runs his prep. There's been really fast lead speed and he has been under pressure coming into the bend. Uh, I think yesterday was a slightly easier watch than first up. Um, he was within striking range coming into the bend and Craig actually only tapped him behind the saddle once and he won hands and heels. So his, his win was good and he, he's pulled up really well, guys. He's come through the run excellent. Uh, he ate up and he trot up three this morning. So we're really happy with him and he just showed everyone he's a, he's a winner. He tries and he's ne- never let us down. Ben, did you have any slight niggle in the in the back of your brain going into yesterday, given that he really had to pull out all stops to, to win first up? And I, I, you know, some people might have thought that might have taken a, a bit out of him that first up win. Um, oh, not not to be honest, not really. Uh, he's a horse that has contested in fast tempo races before, and he's always come through them well. He's uh, the way he was acting at home. Um, he was running around his paddock, bucking and squealing, and. He never missed a beat on the feed bin. Um, he was nice and sound going into the race. So uh, 
he coped with the run really well, and uh, I think he showed everyone he did. Um, he's a he's a really just genuine, straightforward horse, and he's building an impressive resume. Impressive resume is probably an understatement. 16 wins, six group ones. He's $2.20 for the All-Star Mile on March 16. What happens after that? Um, look, we've got lots of options with him. Um, we can try him out the 2,000 metres again, uh, two weeks into the Australian Cup, or that's probably where we would head if he pulled up well. And then after that, we have an option to go to Sydney as well um, with the Queen Elizabeth. Um, so he, I think... That that is probably his prep. So, um, you know, you go all-star mile in three weeks, two weeks Australian Cup, and then it's either we go to Sydney or we decide to pull up stumps. Ever since you were, you were a toddler, Ben, basically at Lindsay Park, you, you would have seen amazing horses come through the place, you know, right from, you know, the time you could walk. I mean, does this guy sort of stack up there with, with pretty much anything you've seen come through the place in your lifetime now, or, or is he getting up there? Well, I was very young when Better Loosen Up was around and he was Dad's first champion. He was a superstar. And this guy's been compared to him. Um, he's a very similar horse. He's come from, he's got obscure breeding. Um, he's a winner. He's a gelding. He's a very plain-looking horse. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's probably up there with Better Loosen Up. Um, he's still racing. And when his career finishes, I think... They'll have very similar um, resumes. So uh, for me personally, and I know Will and Jady, he's definitely the best horse we've trained, full stop. Um, we've been around good horses like Miss Finland. She was a superstar. She won a Golden Slipper and then won an Oaks. Not many horses can do that. And then she went to stud. She kept racing. She could have won a lot more group ones. Um, but no, he's probably... Um, the best horse that I've been involved with so far in our short career. You must be a bit older than I thought you were. How old are you? Uh, 33. 33, <laughs> because because Ben, who, who's, who's uh, with me this morning, um, he's a must be a mind reader because I was going to talk about Better Loosen Up and I did a bit of work on him as far as his CV was concerned. It's quite interesting. You, you talk about comparisons. So you've won 16 races, six group ones, but the, the, the story ain't over yet. Better Loosen Up retired with 17 wins and eight group ones. So, Mr Brightside, from a, a factual point of view, is actually closing in on Better Loosen Up. He is, he is. And um, Better Loosen Up, unfortunately, he broke down. Mm. Um, if he stayed sound, the world was his oyster as well. So, we just got to keep Mr Brightside happy at the moment. Um, he's the horse that everyone's trying to catch. He's been the chaser the first two years of his career with us and now he's the horse everyone's chasing so um he, he has won six group ones now in an all-star mile so you could count that all-star mile as a group one um so he's up to seven big races mm. and um you know hopefully he can have a cv like that loosen up um it's it's we're lucky to be able to train a horse of his quality and have him in our yard Last one from me, Ben. Have you got much um, other sort of Group 1 ammunition in the autumn, especially perhaps heading to, to Sydney? I know you've got a lot of horses nominated for, for big races down there. Yeah, um, we've got lots of chances. Um, probably we've got Loft, who hasn't been you know, competitive yet because he's been running over trips too short. But 
I really watch him when he gets out the 2,500, 2,400 metres. Um, he's just needed a couple runs to get his fitness up. And uh, he could definitely um, come out and run some good races. We've got, I know it's a, he won at 150 to 1 last week, but Macram, if he gets back to his old form, he's more than capable of being competitive in races like a Australian Cup, uh, something like that. Or, um, you know, never know, we could get him into an all-star mile. He's running this week over a mile at Flem. And, um, yeah, they're probably the the horses at the top of my mind that are the ones. But Mr Brightside's definitely the headline horse at the moment and I'm happy to have him as our number one horse. <laughs> and, and, la- and last one from me, and I just want to drill down on this a, a bit further. So we know the All-Star Mile is locked in. That's there, ready to go on the 16th of March. He's the 220 favourite. Could there be a possibility that he runs that race and has doesn't run in the Australian Cup and goes to the Queen Elizabeth? Is that a possibility or not? Yes, so that that they're all the options. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we we go race by race and how he pulls up, and we always put you know the horse's interest first. Um, I don't think it's about the money anymore with him. He's already the sixth highest money earner in Australia ever. Um, he just passed Anima yesterday, so um, I think we just put the horse's interest first. If he's not one hundred percent, there's no pressure. We'll just be patient and. Reset, so um, you know we're just judged by the horse and how we place him, and he'll tell us where he wants to go. Yeah, it's a great story. We're, we're enjoying it. Thanks for being with us, Ben. Appreciate it. Awesome, thank you. Ben Hayes joining us this morning. This is a good story, the Mister Brightside story. It it really keeps us loving racing, Ben. And watching this horse, where's he going to go? We know he's going to be in the All Star Mile. Will he go to the Australian Cup? Be, he, he deserves to be there on Queen Elizabeth Day because that's what the championships is all about, the best horses racing each other. Yeah, absolutely. And look, <clears throat> to be quite frank, he only has to turn up in one piece, I think, on All-Star Mile to win that race um, because it's dead set a weird race these days because it's not fan-voted anymore. Uh, you've got horses going in other directions. I reckon horses, some horses probably will, will dodge the race even if, you know, they, they could sort of get into the race, given Mr. Brightside's going to be there. So, look, I, it's almost... I haven't got the odds in front of me, but I'd imagine he'd be a very short price favourite for the All-Star Mile. Pride of Jenny uh, maybe there. who could give him some trouble. But, yeah, he's just a winning machine and keeps on winning. I must admit, he was $1.40 at one stage yesterday. I sort of thought, oh, jeez, could I could I back this horse at $1.40? No, I couldn't. Got out to $1.50. But I suppose the big punters who stepped in, they were never in danger of losing their money, were they? Oh, exactly right. Yeah, 2.20 for the All-Star Mile. Let's go to two more of the features from yesterday, the Autumn Classic, the Group 2. Here's the replay. So it's Sox Nation, cluttered them up, comes up towards the corner at the 450 from time to Chattu's full bore. Our Coover needs a run behind them. Immediacy got out. Then came just a boom. And to the outside, United Kingdom with a lot to do. Sox Nation called upon from our Coover. Here's Immediacy at the 200 metres. Made a line of three and went to the front. Immediacy put up a length, a length and a half. Caracas out late, but it's all Immediacy. Immediacy punched out by Curry, one at two and a half. After three, Caracas second out, Cuba Sox Nation. A long gap just a boom in company with time to chat. Jen Richiro, United Kingdom not warm today. Done believing. And one of the last to complete the course was Wilmot. A very impressive time, Ben. Three from three immediacy. 
Yeah, just too good. And nice, I think, to see one of racing's good guys, Luke Curry, uh, who had some time in Hong Kong, uh, get on the board there. He, he sort of, yeah, I wouldn't say he's been struggling by any means, but, you know, he, he went to Hong Kong, had a little bit of a mark there, just trying to sort of re-establish himself back in Australia. Uh, so terrific uh, fill-up for him. Three-length win, never in doubt. Our final replay from Caulfield yesterday is the Peter Young. Here's the, here it is. El Soliato under the whip, joined and headed by Unusual Culture at the 300. Campioness is getting through. Then Vow and Declare, Foxy Cleopatra and Gold Trip starting to launch. Unusual Culture at the 200. Campionessa trying to pick it up from Vow and Declare and Gold Trip late. Campionessa, 100 to go. Vow and Declare sticking with her. Vow and Declare and Campionessa. It's a head bobber. Campionessa, Vow and Declare photo. Gold trip, unusual culture behind them from El Soliado, then Foxy Cleopatra, Loft and Salino. We've only seen Campionessa once before in Australia. That was in the Australian Cup last year when it finished midfield, but a thrilling finish, Vow and Declare. He's still going, but Campionessa got the bob in a meeting with Gold Trip, the closest of thirds. Yeah, I thought um, all those three horses you mentioned all ran out of their skins, really. I mean, even Gold Trip, he ran third. Uh, was an easier in betting, but look, I, I think you know that that horse has got some big fish to fry. Clearly, um, but yeah, all credit to Mickey D and Mark Walker. Gee whiz, that name Mark Walker and those colours keep uh, cropping up, don't don't they? I mean, I we obviously know Imperatrice, but gee whiz, I reckon going forward in Australian racing, they're going to be an increasing force. That crew. Yeah, totally agree with you. Of course, next Saturday at Flemington it is Australian Guineas Day, and Riff Rocket is the two eighty. Tab fix favourite. Let's turn our attention out of Rose Hill Gardens. We'll go firstly to the Group Two, Hobartville for the three-year-olds, and it was a fairly good betting race in the end. Though uh, Tom Kitten was the favourite, three dollars twenty. Levon Pierre from Gambare coming around the turn. End cap in striking distance. Then came Raff Attack deeper out. Fugabana back on the rails from Celestial Legend. Wide out Cafe Millennium. Tom Kitten, the favourite's got it all to do. At the 250, Levon Pierre in front from end cap is chipping away the outside. Celestial Legend's out now. And here he comes. Celestial Legend moved up, took the lead in the Hobart Phil Stakes, and he's starting to draw away. It's been a long time between drinks for Lesbridge, but that's Touchy second, Hobartville beating in cap, and Levon Pierre third, followed by Fukabana. Then came Chea Wolf. Tom Kedden was next. He needs further. Further back to Gambare from He Man, Flying Trapeze, Raff Attack, and Cafe Millennium. Celestial Legend was only second up into the Hobartville yesterday. Karen McAvoy riding for Trainer Les Bridges. Wonderful to have Les join us this morning to discuss a horse he's got a very high opinion of. Les, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. And I think one of the... It was a great day for you yesterday, but I think also great because your good friend and your owner, Bonho, was there to watch the win as well. Yeah, it made it much more enjoyable for me. He's very busy and he's... Uh, he can only get out here on certain occasions and to have him there on Saturday, him and Mrs. Ho was terrific. Les, you've loved this horse basically from, from day dot, haven't you? Uh, and that was no surprise to you yesterday. And I'm assuming there's some, some big guineas plans in your mind now. Well, I bought the horse. I went and had a look at him. And Mr Hay wanted to buy a well-bred horse that might make a stallion. And I tried to buy one that wasn't so heavy. And I just really liked this horse. And I, I think we paid 200 for him. But he was a lovely yearling, always a little bit backward. 
but uh, he's probably still one preparation away from being at his top. But I have lo- liked the horse from the start. He's a good horse, no doubt about it. It looks like looking at his CV, you've been deliberately patient with him. Two runs as a two-year-old, two runs in the spring, and that was only his sixth start yesterday. Is he a sound horse? Sound as a bell. It's purely been physically. He's just been that... Well, he's a done deal. He's been a little bit immature by our standards today. You know how early we race horses and get into them and silver slippers and golders. He wasn't that type of horse. He was a horse that was always going to make a nice three-year-old. And I think myself, he's got a terrific disposition for a cult. He's quiet and he does, he's very easy to work with. And uh, I think he'll probably hit his top next preparation, but he's still going good at the moment. Now, it was a memorable win, I guess, for another reason, Les. Forty years earlier, if you don't mind. Wow, wee, doesn't time fly? You, you won this race with Sir Dapper, obviously. Do you, do you still remember that day clearly? Remember parts of it. it uh, first group one winner I trained. Up until I got Sir Dapper, I'd had a lot of good horses, but I couldn't get that champion. They're hard to get, you know, champions. <laughs> and he was the first champion horse I ever trained. And, uh, yeah, he was just he was just a phenomenal horse. Les, you, you made a great comment yesterday after the race. You said, well, you didn't say you're 85. You know you're 85. But you said, I don't have to train. But if I, if I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm terrified not to be, do something. So you still love what you're doing. Well, that's the truth. I've worked all my life. I'd wake up at four in the morning anyway. How do you fill your day in? So I might as well do it something <laughs> that I know. That's the way. I think I'm one of those blokes that would wither away if I retire. That's what I'm frightened of. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. Now, Liz, there's obviously a lot of love uh, when he was racing for Classic Legend. Uh, he's obviously now retired. What's what's he up to these days? Where, whereabouts is Classic Legend for the for the listeners who might be interested? He's got the best home you could believe. Mister Ho gave him to Kieran McAvoy and the family. Kieran's wife rides him, and they're getting him ready to. I don't know whether they're going to make a show horse or inventor out of him, but Kieran's wife rides him. The kids ride him, and. Yeah, they sent me films of him the other day. He's got the best life you could ever imagine. Well, there's a, a great result, and uh, we look forward to seeing Celestial Legend in the Ramwick Guineas. I see he's $5 there behind Militarise. Um, just in closing, at, at 85, I reckon it's a fair bet you'd be the oldest Metropolitan trainer still going strong. Well, when I went to Ramwick, I was the youngest, and now I'm the oldest. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I had I had a bite to eat with Leo McDonald a few weeks ago. He retired last year. It wasn't easy for him either. He, he wasn't just cut and dry, but he's a boy by your standards. He's 81. Yeah, well, everybody's different. I'm a one-trick pony. I've done this all my life. It's about the only thing I could do well. <laughs> and at 85, the way technology in the world's moved on, I'd be lost out there now without being a race or a trainer, so... I'll stick to what I know for as long as I can. Yeah. Great, great comment. Thanks, Les. Thanks for joining us this morning. You've got a great horse there. It's a been, been, pleasure. Been wonderful to, to speak to you. Pleasure.
There he is, Les Bridge joining us. Great man, and go and still going strong. Better eighty five. Oh, look how good is this show, David. I mean, today we've spoken to to Shane Oxlade. Uh, yeah, the knockabout bloke from from South Australia who's won a Group One. Uh, one of the one of the Hayes boys from the Lindsay Park dynasty, and eighty five year old. Uh, Les Bridge, still going strong. It just goes to show you, gee whiz, racing's got a rich tapestry in colour, doesn't it? It's terrific. I just love it. I use a line that he uses, uh, and I, I didn't pinch it off him, but he said, it's the only thing I can do. He said, I can't do anything else. He said, but I can train also. It's like being with a race car. People say, oh, it's great. You race car. I said, well, there's nothing else I can do. I can't, there's nothing else I can do well. So that's 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 my lot in life. I don't think well, I can... and the thing with... The thing with you, David, too, is, I mean, you, you've still got a bit of time. I mean, you're not 85. You're only 70. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, or 72, are you? I'm a quite early 70s. I know that. But, um, but look, I think you're calling as well as ever, old mate. Put it this way. Uh, Les is training well at 85. I don't think I'll be calling at 85. <laughs> unless it's bingo. <laughs> yes, bingo. Or in those, bingo, bango, bongo. Or in those shopping bingo. aisles at Woolworths. Aisle five. <laughs> Let's, Very good. let's go to the Millie Fox. And Lady Laguna's been in rare form, so no surprise, she was the favourite at $2.35. 500 metres to go. Lady Laguna shows the way. Zoo gotcha travelling really well behind and immediately she comes off heels as How Good Are You surrendered and uh, further back to Madame Pomery. 3.50 to go. Zoo gotcha moved up on the outside of Lady Laguna and the pair really turn it on now. It's Zoo gotcha on the outside of Lady Laguna. Zoo gotcha ahead in front to Lady Laguna. Clear from Madame Pomery. It's Zoo gotcha looking down the lady. Yep, got her all right. Zoo gotcha ran down the favourite Lady Laguna. Laguna, Madame Pomery a clear third, Vienna Princess next, followed by Diamond Dealer, Lechvard, Argenia, Star Tornay's Renaissance Woman, how good are you? Zugotcha, she's back with a bang. Yeah, and, and Darren makes a good point, back with a bang, because she was disappointing in the spring, she had three runs, they were, you know, to be fair, lacklustre, but we know she's a Group 1 winner, and um, I'm sure Chris Waller would have watched the race with keen interest yesterday, and he would have been uh, very uh, happy that she has bounced back, uh, beating a horse that's in very good form in Lady Laguna. Yeah, look, I couldn't have backed it with stolen money, to be honest, at $4.20 yesterday, but wasn't I wrong? She just went bang. And I think it was a bit of a... I think Chris Waller even admitted it yesterday. He was in sort of three minds during the spring about sort of what he was trying to do with her. I think at one stage, you know, he sort of thought she might even be an Everest horse. So it was a bit of a muddling, sort of mucky preparation, for, for want of a better word. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, we saw the real Zoo got you yesterday. It's a month to the Tab Golden Slipper. Another lead-up yesterday, and often a key lead-up is the Silver Slipper. Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott dominated the race market-wise with Straight Charged and Espionage. Straight charge, 4.25 to run, coming well away from the fence, led by two. In second position, Espionage, and then came Yoshinobu, back on the inside, Erno's Cube, and then came Embassy at the 2.50, and Clark goes for home on straight charge. A length and a half clear from Espionage, who's sticking to the task, but not making any ground. Straight charge is charging to the wire, and off to the golden slipper. Straight charge, led all the way from the stable made Espionage, who was really chipping in late, pulled the margin back to a Thurno's Cuba clear third, then Embassy, Celerity, Gaze Artist and Yoshinobu. Well, Straight Charge beating Espionage, both very good, but only one could win and it was Straight Charge. He's $11 for the slipper, Espionage at 13 but uh, no impact on the top two in the market. Stormboy, that dominant favourite at 280, 
with Switzerland at $6. Take a break. I'm past question, the post. Quick, yes, go on. Sorry. Sorry. Quick, quick question without notice. Sorry, David. Right. Have you ever seen a Group 1 market in your life that one trainer, or in this <laughs> case a training partnership, have had six of the first seven picks in the market? That's got to be a slice of Australian racing history. Waterhouse bot team, six of the first seven in the slipper. Surely that's never happened before. No. Storm Boy, Straight Charge, Espionage, Fully Lit, Lady of Camelot and Shangri-La Express. Yeah, I think you're right. Back in a moment. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. It was cutest dual prelude day at Durban yesterday, a 10-race card. Let's go to the prelude for the two-year-old Colts and Geldings and defiant boob for Archer Park Racing, in fact, was the best back runner. At the turn now, short of 400 left to Rana. The leader was Brazen Act, tackled by Wayfarer's Way, Defiant Boomer. Rod works away from the rail, gets into the clear and starts to pounce on these two leaders. Down the outside, all-inclusive with a strong Rana. Oh, all-inclusive is coming all over the top of Defiant Boomer, then Super Alloy. Short of 100 to go. All-inclusive dashed away from Defiant Boom. Street Chase running on, but all-inclusive very good on debut. Beat Street Chase, Defiant Boom, Super Alloy in fourth, then Mythbuster followed by Brazen Act, then Mr. Crowning Man but Wayfarer's way, well back was at the head of the others, crypto star Mashani Hitman and head on show, Stone Motherless last in 1.532. Is it gelding by all too hard, all inclusive, out of a mare called Lonnox? She was moderately performed. She was a two-times winner. Ryan Maloney riding for trainer David Van Dyke and settled in the second half of the field, but you could see as far as, what, 200 metres out, as you heard in the broadcast, uh, he, he looked the winner. He was just finishing too well and... A very good debut. Street Chase, also a good debut in running second, finding the line well. And Defiant Boob, he seemed to have his chance in third, had the run of the race, lube briefly as the winner in the early part of the straight, but just peaked over the final part. But a good win there, Ben, all-inclusive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I reckon he's got a horse on his hands here, David Van Dyke. Um, I'll tell you what, the betting was interesting in this race. All-inclusive opened, I think, earlier in the week at $3.20. Got out to $4 on race morning. Then got out to six dollars fifty before trimming up late to six dollars. I think there was maybe punters were just thinking there's there's some in the race with <clears throat> you know exposed form. The gate could have been a bit tricky, um, but it didn't matter. And look, David Van Dyke I spoke to during the week compared this horse in, in likeness and some sense of potential to Alligator Blood. Obviously, they've got the same sire, uh, all too hard. So look, there's something to work with there for sure, David. Unfortunately, David can't be with us, but uh, immediately after the race, he was uh, certainly not backward in coming forward, and he's, he's looking at the golden slipper. Yeah, he is. He's going uh, to the Todman in uh, a couple of weeks, uh, just as I suppose, test the waters uh, down there. I think 72500 he got for, for winning yesterday, so already got uh, a bit of prize money in the bank. Uh, look, I thought the trial the trial was good. I think there was a few people sort of potting the trial, saying it was in slow time, and they didn't quite know what to make of it. But, look, I suppose if he's comparing uh, this horse to Alligator Blood in some shape or form, I mean, we all you know, know that that horse, for instance, got, got better over distance, got better throughout a preparation generally, especially when he was a young horse. So, look, I mean, who's to say this horse couldn't measure up in Sydney? Look, it's a tough one. I mean, obviously, we spoke earlier... Uh, Gay and Adrian completely dominate uh, the two-year-old markets down there. But, look, you can only have a go, and they're only two once, David. Let's go to the Phillies' prelude. And an upset result here. Mashani Lily ran them off their legs. 
Seven lengths span them as they approach the 400 metres. And Bashani Lily going quickly in front from Bashani Crowder. Led it by a length at the turn. Fields of Moore in third. Pulled to the outside overfaller. Then time to cry. Tia still six off them with a mountain of work to do. Bashani Lily booted in the early part of the straight. It was nicely clear. Overfall trying hard. Then Bashani Crowder and Fields of Moore. But Bashani Lily down below the 100 metres. It's getting tired. But they're tired chasing her. And Bashani Lily did it all of the way. Been overfall Bashani Crowder. Fourth photo, Fields of Moore, or T, never a chance, but good late. Then came time to cry, Dream Drop, Blanton's runner, and Sandy Grip last time in 1.465. Les Ross and Mike Crooks, you have done it again. Yeah, I could have backed it with bad money at the 11.10, but it showed uh, no small, it did get a little tired, but by the same token, the, the times uh, tell the tale, it ran 1.453, which was a half second faster than all inclusive. Let's have a listen now as we close off to the three-year-old prelude, Big Field here. Capital Chase leads mid-race from SJ who retains the rail. Femme Fatale doing a tough three wide at high bar. Park fourth behind the leading trio. Then Sunny Coast, Surreal Ascot, She's a Row, Kessel, All Vindicta. Bashani Royale, a long way back was Lumens Lenny. Defiant Spirit beginning a run, then Doyle. Bashani Gangster in a clear last top fun. Hit the straight by the 300 metres. Capital Chase giving cheek from SJ. High bar gets out now strongly. Femme Fatale still there. She's a Row behind them. And Defiant Spirit starts to put in big strides. He's coming with a powerful run, 100 left to run here's Defiant Spirit, descended to the right time and in the Archer Park racing colours he burned away, Defiant Spirit beat home high bar, photo third she's a rogue prominent with uh, on the outside capital chase Lubins Lenny not far away, then Kessel followed by Mashani Royale then Femme Fatale Vindicta Doyle, Mashani Gangster SJ Sunny Coast, Top Fun and Surreal Ascot last over the line in 14.14. Whatever way you look at it, this was a very good win, third in the run coming to the turn and uh, mowed them down and now looks to be the horse to beat in the, the big duel in two weeks time Ben Yeah for sure David and we can confirm that that duel meeting uh, as it stands will proceed on the Gold Coast uh, there was some disquiet about whether the track the grass track would be ready obviously a lot of meetings have been transferred from the grass to the poly track including yesterday's meeting but Jason Squat the Racing Queensland Chief Executive came out uh, on Friday and said no it will be held on the course proper on the Gold Coast and spoke briefly to Steve Lyons uh, the Chief Executive of the Gold Coast uh, who said exactly the same thing so we can look forward to that meeting proceeding on the grass. Good to talk to you mate have a good day. Thanks David. Ben Dorries joining us he'll be with me on Press Room tomorrow morning as well hope I have your company then have a good day bye bye.